Good morning, all of you who are tuned in and to those in the classroom here. This is December the 9th, 2018, and we're in for a good day. Of course, the big theme is Book of Acts, chapter 15, to tell us the beginnings of the church, like Genesis gives us the beginning of the universe. Today, we're introducing it with a little different theme that has been suggested that we spend four or five minutes at the beginning of each session until well, we'll be on that uh, a few weeks. But first of all, let's begin with Romans 1, 16. Chapter 1 and verse 16. And uh, it says, it talks about God's embarrassment. Rather, Paul's embarrassment. He said, I, I... I am ashamed, I am embarrassed by the gospel. I shrink away from any public declaration and of letting my position known. I let the word not out, didn't you? <laughs> oh, did I misread that? Yeah. Well, I was just kind of reading it the way I see a lot of Christians act. You see, purpose of life, and we're going to come back here, don't go away. The purpose of life is a life of purpose. But not just any purpose. It has to be a purpose that is so dynamic to every individual that they will stand alone for it no matter what. Anything you believe has no value until you are able and willing to stand alone for what you believe. And when you believe something that is properly, has the proper credentials, then the shame of that belief is going to disappear. And I've had people, you know, want to be baptized at night because they didn't want anybody to see. Well, you know, probably we ought to just not do it. But that's a, that's a, that's a shame factor. So... It has to be something that you will stand alone for, not subject to public opinion, not subject to how other people might think. We get moved by how we think, well, what's somebody going to think if I say that or do that? Well, that doesn't make any difference. Now, back to our text. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, that's the good news of the kingdom. It is, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The dynamic. It, it, that is. The character it, of it. It's the, that's the, I like that word. It is the very dynamic of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And that again comes right into where we have been on the, uh, on the issue of Calvinism. That is, everyone who believes, not by God's election, not by pre-election, but by everyone who believes. That's the determining factor. It is the power of God. Why would anyone be ashamed? Why would anyone hesitate to speak to somebody about something that has the dynamic of God in it that can bring them and change their destiny? It's because we're not really believers. We have not really put together the evidence 
so that we have a confirmed belief that gives us boldness. And that's what we need. So bold that we will stand alone for whatever it is, no matter what. Now, the cradle of our text today is in, Ephesians, uh, in, um, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. My introduction is free. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 1. <coughs> Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, <coughs> that's a very pleasant greeting. We're going to talk about greeting when we get into the book of Acts here in a moment. Um, you, you are my joy and my crown. Now, you stand firm in the Lord, which means that if they don't, they what? Whose responsibility is it for those people to whom he is speaking to stand firm? Each person. Each, each person's responsibility. It's what? There, are they capable of it? Yes. Are they responsible to doing it? Yes. So stand firm in the Lord. That's the position. That's the position is in the Lord. You stand firm. You're in the, you're in the Lord. Now stand firm in it. I urge uh, Euodia and I urge Syntec to live in harmony in the Lord. Now, I don't know why he's addressing them that way, because, but that's not our point here. Uh, indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Oh, my. Verse 4. And this is, this is the beginning of our text at hand. That's the background. We're establishing a cradle for where we have to go in our text under the subject of communication with God. We have to establish the context. We call that the cradle. Rejoice in the Lord always. And rejoice has the interesting voice of uh, it's being, it comes from the word grace. Sometimes it's interpreted greeting. Uh, it's, it's not quite the same word, but it all has the same root. They are to rejoice in what position? In the Lord. In the Lord. And how often? Always. Contin all continuously. Right. That's continuously. Now, that depends on, it's kind of dependent upon who's cr what's, what crowd you're with. Some days it is. Darn it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Hi, Stan. How are you doing? You're up to a fight? Oh, you wimp. <laughs> I would win and it would hurt you. <laughs> oh, I know. But you don't want to hurt an old man. Right, so I let them go there. <laughs> I think you go Okay. Well, anyway. And again, I say rejoice. It was worth repeating. Now, we're going to deal more with that because we're dealing with that same word in the book of Acts chapter 15 when we get there today. Now, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle whatever be known to all men. The word spirit isn't there. You do know that the word spirit has no Greek equivalent. What is the word that's translated 
spirit. It's the word breath. It's an, always in the neuter gender. It is never a person. Never any place in the Bible is it ever a person. It is always the breath because the breath is the containment of all that God is. That's when he speaks, he breathes, he breathes, he breathes, and that breath produces his word. And so the word is always out of the spirit of God. It is always the spirit that speaks. God never speaks apart from his spirit because that's who and what he is. Your spirit is who you are. And when you breathe, you're breathing and letting known by your words what you are. Let, uh, um, did we, I, I want to go back to verse, uh, the previous verse 4, because this is as far as I want to go today. He says, after he says, your gentle spirit, which isn't in the text, be known to all men. So whatever your nature, what represents you, let it be known. Don't shy away from it. Stand for it. Let it be known to those selective people that you like and who will know how to adjust to you. And that's how we read it. That's not how it reads, but that's how we read it. And then he says, the Lord is near. Now, one thing I want to say before we go on to the book of Acts. One, this is the cradle of our text. Everything that is read from here on has to be read and understood from what goes on in verses 1 through 4. This is the cradle of our text. When it says, the Lord is near. Remember up above, it said, you're to do what in the Lord? Remember in verse 1, verse 2? Stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. Now this says, you've got to remember where you go here. This is your position in Christ. Your position in the Lord. You stand firm. That is a position. The word in is always positional. Into is always transitional. In is always positional. There's no such thing as by faith or by grace anywhere in the scriptures. Those words do not exist. Grace does. Faith does. But never by it's always something else, and usually it's in. Here, it is stand fast in position in the Lord. That is your responsibility. You are capable of standing firm in the Lord. You don't need the perseverance or the preservation of God for you to do that. You have to respond to what he has said, and it is established upon the conviction you have in what you believe, whether or not you will stand alone for what you believe. Stand fast in the Lord. Now we jump down. That's your position in him. And then secondly, the very cradle of our text rest upon your position in him and his 
position to the church. And that's this statement. Enough said. You think about that. Now, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 15. Now, we can go home now because you've got enough to think about that should make a difference in your life. Now, when we come to the book of Acts, chapter 15, we begin really with verse 23 today. I would like to say that I'm not using any textbook materials. There are many textbooks that are very, very good. Acts Made Actual by Don DeWell is an excellent book on, on the book of Acts. Uh, it's called Acts Made Actual by Don DeWell. One of the finest uh, commentaries, I think, in print, or by McGarvey, uh, Acts um, of the Apostles by uh, um, McGarvey. Those are excellent books, but Don DeWelt is a little more current, uh, more uh, modern in his sense of geography, that, you know, uh, things have changed a lot in the world, and uh, DeWelt's book is pretty current on his geography and the uh, standards of the people living uh, in the book of Acts, a little, little more current in their understanding of what was taking place back there. So the book of Acts, I would, but we, we avoid that because those are things you can go to any book and read. And we're trying to give you a personal feeling uh, for the book of Acts out of its documentation. Now, <clears throat> in verse 22 of chapter 15, this is just kind of a pickup and review. We are really starting with verse 23 today. But he's, he's asking them, he, he's mentioning to them um, that they're going to send some people into Antioch uh, along with Paul and Barnabas, uh, Judas being called Barsabas and Silas, men among, leading among the brothers. Now, last week I made a tactical error we talked about Silas being a prophet, but I want you to go to, to uh, I think, um, uh, verse 32 of this text, of this chapter. Verse 32 of our text. I want to make a correction. No, no, it's fine. Verse 32 of this same chapter, Judas and Silas, now, who are we talking about in verse 22 of our text? Judas and Silas. Judas and Silas. They also being prophets or prophets, prophets, right? It's plural. Themselves, plural. Okay, so who are two prophets? Judas and Silas. Judas and Silas. All right, last week we said we didn't know about uh, Judas, uh, Barsabas, but he was also a prophet. We knew that Silas was, but we didn't say that last week. So we have corrected that. Let's go back to our text. You don't let us read ahead. You can't be doing that either. Well, I try to catch myself before you catch me. <laughs> I'm not as, quite as dumb as I look. So, 
today, boy. <laughs> well, as my dad said, my dad always said, you couldn't be that, you couldn't be that dumb. <laughs> Verse 23, and, and, and they wrote after, uh, they wrote letters. In, in verse 20, they wrote letters. So if, if the people of their audience are going to know about what is going on from the council in Jerusalem, how are they going to learn it? Through writing. Letters. Through a letter. Through writing. Now what does that tell you? Here we are back in apostolic times when the apostles had been baptized in spirit and yet, how did they communicate what they knew supernaturally? Through what means? Writing. Writing. If you ever forget that, you're off track. So here's where we, exactly what we left off, exactly where we left off last week in verse 23. The apostles and the elders and the brethren and greeting, uh, send greeting unto the brethren. So that's what they wrote, right off the bat. And what did they do? First of all, they sent... Letters. Uh, no. They sent prophets. They sent, well, through the prophets, by the prophets, they sent to the church, what's the first word? Greetings. Now, greetings is a verb, I think. I'm sure it is. I've been wrong once before, and it's when I thought I was wrong. Uh, is it a verb? Okay, it's present active, and um, it's in the infinitive, and it's in the infinitive. Uh, the tense and the voice are the only things that are valid. Uh, when it's in the infinitive mood, you don't need to know any of that, but that's just the fact of the grammar. Now, that means that we don't know what all they said. It wasn't, how do you do? How are you? Greetings as a verb is a compilation of all that they said to prepare the people for what they were about to hear. That's why it's in the infinitive mood. And the purpose of a greeting is to draw one's is to draw to one's self is to embrace to prepare a verbal embracement. It is to establish a personal interest in the people whom they're addressing with a common interest. So the most important thing, and there are many, many times in the book, in the various books of the New Testament, where the word greetings is used as an adverb, or a verb, as oh. a verb. And it's always a composition 
of all that is said to prepare people for listening. is preparatory. I've had people, I've done it to people, but you come at somebody and you start right with your issue. No preparation. No common interest developed. Paul does not make that mistake. Somebody says, well, it's just trivial. Well, it's not trivial if it has an objective. And you don't deal with people without an objective, and you don't reach your objective without a greeting. It's gracious. That, what's that? It's gracious. It's, and the word is gracious. The word greeting there is the word gracious. Well, it's the same word as gracious. It's a little bit variant. But the same as the word rejoice. Rejoice, greeting, are all come from the same root word. So it's a, it's a disposition that you convey to people to establish a, per, a, a personal interest both in them and toward them and to give to them a gracious opening for a response. Time and time again over the greetings that Paul does in the, in the New Testament. Most of the apostles always do something of that nature, but it, Paul seems to really expound on it. It's, it's just a, a beautiful opening to all of his messages. That's right. Good observation. And there are just many, too many texts to, to enumerate now. But... Um, I have some words here that I just can't read from my writing, but <laughs> that's no, no, no. anyway. We have to realize that when when the Bible talks about greeting, it's talking about just not a word, just a word to be dismissed. But we need to realize he is setting both an example for the church and rule as a rule in general. He's setting a standard for people in their life to learn that the introduction of anything at any time, particularly when it's so sensitive as this issue, he, 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 he didn't want to turn them off because he didn't take time to, to greet them and to show his graciousness toward these people. And that's what the word greetings and you mentioned it, it comes from the word gracious. In that time, in that word, it would be an adjective, but this, um, this is a verb. So this is the, the, whole, the whole disposition of relating to these people that you have an interest in them, a personal interest in them. You want to establish that interest in them. And so isn't that what you do to everybody you meet? It's your greeting that makes the difference. So, so is there a difference, David, between the stuff that we spew forth when we see each other 
And we get this big smiley face and we act like, oh man, you're the most important person in the world to me. And you give them a big phony, big smiley face and how are you? And you know, so... I think that's exactly what Paul is talking about. And, but, but that is not, that is not how we should come at people with well, that big phony smiley face like we really care well, how they're feeling yeah. at the moment. Well, it, it, we, so, have, we have to say that so this is, if this it's is phony, a, then of course it's phony no matter what kind of a smile. But you can tell by looking at their face with not, that big smiley having, face. But not having a smile is an automatic turn off. But having a big phony smile. Well, we're not is talking about phony nothing. Oh, we're not okay. talking about anything Well, I'm phony. just trying to get this That's clear. Calling something phony is a judgment. Yeah. A phony smile, you're judging the smile automatically. Be yeah, careful. I think the difference is, is he's establishedly, establishedly in a commonality here. He's saying, you and I have this in common and we need to speak about it. Uh, not that directly, but... Not but getting off. into it with a greeting, you know. It's, I, I, can, I need to talk to you about the way you're praying in this place. And you think that would turn them off? <laughs> yeah, it would have. But yes. to do this greeting the way he did. Uh, this, this is what mellows it out. And that's why it's put in the text. Now, nothing about this is phony. Well, that's but, what that I think there is a there has to be a warmth and how do we express warmth you that do it verbally well no I don't think that's the issue I think that yeah and, and your heart naturally is going to have a smile you're not going to go you're not going to have a grudgment toward these people because you're just opening up a real sensitive topic, you've got to show graciousness. And, you know, until we do that, we're dead in the water. You can't get anywhere with anybody. You can't get anywhere with somebody at the checkout stand if you're a sourpuss. You just can't go anywhere with them. I want to know, those who think you can, I want to know how many people you've baptized. You know, you show me how many people you've baptized. Well, how about if you just are kind of neutral without putting on airs of, well, you man, do. I really care. Well, people do care. People but, do, but you do don't care. have to be and exaggerated. Well, and nobody's talking about exaggerating something. But there is a, that's why he begins, well, not in this text, but in our other text, he has to start, first of all, with a gentle spirit, remember? Yeah. In all my Bible studies, when you study Paul, I just get bogged down sometimes at how long the greeting. The greeting is always important. Every single one, it goes into how the greeting, and usually it's a paragraph or maybe it's two, but every Bible study has always started with the greetings of Paul. And there's, a, there's something, and I just think, we've done this before. But it happens every single time. Yeah. Every communication that Paul is involved in, and in this case Luke, Luke is writing, but he's recording what the letter is going to be saying. He's, they're sending by letter greetings, 
We don't know what else they said. And, and these are people that, that they already have an established relationship with. This is not, these aren't total strangers. Yeah. I think about when, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and what started so much of that conversation is they were asking if they were drunk. Yeah, they were having a good time. They were ha- it was nine in the morning, he yeah. said. And and so that wasn't all smiles then. That was they laid a base in, in what they had spoken uh prior to that in, in that everybody heard in their own in their own tongue. That's right. And and wasn't long after that that he cut him to the quick. He got right to him. But he started right. But he started right. He he laid yeah. his base and it's about the the, the greetings is, is, is laying a foundation to build on. And that's a good term. Um, the um, greeting is the foundation to build on. Greeting is the foundation to build on. So, so to speak, I, I'm and sure and way. and everybody is is probably going to express it differently, but there's never very seldom there's nothing put on or phony, unless it's religion, um, <laughs> you know. And there's a lot of that goes on, but but generally. When it when it's person to person, why? Uh, you just have to know that up front, you have to you have to earn the people's interest, and you have to do that by your sense of graciousness, or you're never going to see them one to the Lord, no matter how much else you say. It's all dependent upon how you start. Sometimes how you start doesn't get you anywhere. But that's you can't go anywhere if you don't start right. I think especially today, people are a little bit more, uh, a little softer. I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, you know, I think about when we started in, in Philippians this morning, and standing firm and and believing and staying in it and not being a, a shy or ashamed of it. That's really that I had a really hard time with that in high school. That was a difficult place to, to endure that, and I failed. I failed on a number of occasions. Sure. And I'm grateful that he is faithful, though. <laughs> oh, certainly, certainly grateful, but, a, but a, a sh- almost, almost afraid to show it out of just... Oh, he is faithful. He, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking about what, yeah. what, I am, what I was responsible for, and I did, I failed it. I did Sure. Just, uh, but... But he kept yeah. us anyway. He kept us anyway. Yeah, now that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah excellent, excellent. Well, so my, my point is, is that if, 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 if people, the people around me didn't, didn't approach me um, uh, uh, carefully, I probably would have left it all together. And at times it wasn't always soft, and sometimes it was very strict and stern, and it got right to the point, and other times it was a little more, it eased in a little bit. Yeah. And that's my own personal experience. Very good. I, that's a great testimony. We'll leave it at that. I don't want to neutralize that. So he said, we're going to write this letter, and... Um, the apostles and the elders and the brethren send greeting, and this greet and and um, I think that it's in the plural. Uh, so, is it in the plural? Oh, greeting. Oh, it's a verb. Oh, it's a, okay. It's in a verb. 
So, um, okay, that's right. Anyway, anyway, we're, we're going to send the, this greeting under the brethren. This greeting is being sent under the brethren who are out of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. So the first, first thing that happens is he sends what? Greetings. He sends greeting. That, uh, that establishes a personal interest in these people. That you have an interest in these people. For as much then, in verse 24, as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words. Now this, I'm reading from the King James folks, and it's, it's a little bit clumsy here. And I'm reading it, and I, as I say this often, um, I'm doing it because it's associated with the, uh, with the interlinear here, with the Greek, and that's all I've got here. Um, you, you've heard, or we have heard, and the we is referring to the apostles, elders, and brethren, mm-hmm. all the people mentioned in verse 23, uh, that, that some, of, some folks have gone out from us and they have troubled you with bob-wired fences. which are here listed as what? Words. Words. You You have people who have claimed they have come out of us, have come to you, and they have troubled you with words. And the process of which results in subverting your soul. Because if you respond to them and what they said, you're going to be in big doo-doo. That's blunt. Saying that you must be circumcised. And of course, I don't think any of this is in the original text. So it's taken it from the context of what we've discussed two weeks ago. Remember that? That's in verse 20. So why would he need to repeat? Why would the author, Luke, need to repeat what he's already said in this case? He summarizes it here. But it would subvert their souls. That you must do this and you must do that and keep the law. Well, that too is... Uh, referring to 20 and 21. Now, we gave no such commandment. Now, what are you going to do about those religions that says that we're required to keep the law today? When Paul, right here, or Luke, is reporting the letter, in, in the letter, the apostles, all of these people combined their message here. They said, 
they claim that you have to keep the law and uh, to whom we gave no such commandment. David, the uh, American Standard does not have those words in the text. No, I don't. I didn't think they did. And maybe the New American either. The New American de- uh, did have, I believe. No, mine has the New American. Oh, do you? Okay. No, it, I switched to the King James. There's no need for it to be there because he's already discussed what was going into it in verse 20 and 21. Right. And you know, why rehash it in the letter? Uh, well, maybe those people who are getting it by mail, getting it by hand delivery, uh, wouldn't know that. But apparently when he says, and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment, is probably all that they needed to know that everything, everything that was being told to them by these subverters was wrong. We gave no such commandment, and that is in the text. So you don't need all of the details, particularly. It's just like we don't know all of the details to the greetings that were made. We don't know all that was said, but we know that it conveyed a graciousness, not a hardness. And this this isn't just just two, this isn't just one topic. This is a a logos. This is a whole thinking process that, that they did not, you know, give commandment to. And specifically, the apostles did not command that message to That's be preached. Right. They did not authorize it. Okay, so the, the people would, you see, the people to whom they were writing this would know the issue, wouldn't they? Yes. Yeah. Because that's why they're being written to, is because the apostles knew, they knew the issue, and now they're giving that we have given no such commandment as whatever it is you understood from these subverters about the law. Very, very obvious. All right? We gave no such commandment. But what about all these religions today who say that one must keep the law or they break the law down into moral and ceremonial? Well, that's hogwash. We need to pray for them. What? We need to pray for them. Yeah, we need to pray for them. That'll change it. Because we can't fix them. No, we need to teach them. Well, but there, there are... Yeah. Well, they're just waiting for Jesus to come back. You can't change the law until he comes back. You know. That's right. <laughs> That's Matthew 5. Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked about that Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. Hopefully, clearly. I thought so. Very well. So... I'm in trouble. I'm sorry. What's that? I'm in trouble. I'm well, sorry. Uh, you're trying. That's all right. Uh, verse 25 and it seemed good unto us that's the group again being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Saul and uh, so there's going to be a small convoy of people men that have hazarded their life for the character or name nomenclature full disclosure of our Lord Jesus Christ we have therefore, uh, we are therefore sending Judas and Silas. Who were they? They were prophets from the Jerusalem group. From the Jerusalem group, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. Now they may. Ex- the reason they're repeating it, they're probably going to expand on it. 
maybe even prophetically. And prophetically because they're prophets. Confirmation. So here you have, let's go to Acts, and we're, we're going to close with this. Let's go to Revel, uh, uh, what did I say? Uh, no, no, I meant Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2, 2. Galatians, Ephesians. Is that in the New Testament? What version do you have? 2-2. No. 2, maybe 22. Okay, let's go back to verse 19. And uh, I'm just going to read it and we'll close for the day. My, our time has gone too quickly. That clock's a little bit fast. Well, I'd rather stop early than... Uh, verse 20. Well, let's go to verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Now, a lot of you folks out there in Radio Land probably don't know that, or you don't believe that, or it means it has, no, it has had no impact on you. You're really not a part of that people. Let's get a, become a part of the household of God. Amen. Let's become a part of it today. Don't hinder. Don't wait. Become a part of the household of God. Become one of the saints that are make up the household. Having been built, verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the Prophet. prophets. See, there were New Testament prophets, Old Testament prophets, but here he's talking about particularly Silas, and who? So we have apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple into the Lord. Is it in the Lord? In, it is in my text. Um, I don't. I don't know that. Can you? We'll check that out. That's always a valid question. Um, yeah, into a temple in Lord. So we have that in Lord without the article. Uh, and into a temple. So it is a process of growing because it's not a full structure yet. It is the foundation. We're being built upon it, and the, found, the, the structure doesn't come until what? Revelation 21 and 22. And then that structure comes down out of God and is placed on the foundation in its completed form at the fall of Jerusalem with the residence of Jesus being then, from then on, with the church, not with the temple. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you have, you folks, you gotta, you know, that is so clear. I just want people to grasp that. So we, you are in the process of growing into a holy temple in the Lord, and in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So God dwells in the church, and the only place that the word deity is used is when it's referring to the church. 
it never refers to Jesus Christ. It always refers to the church. That the deity of God and of and or Christ, depending on the context, always refers to what's going on in the church. The family of God. The family of God, the habitat that becomes the habitat of God. Folks, we have to close. This, <clears throat> our time is up. Stay tuned. We have much more, much more. Father, we are thankful for this opportunity. We give you thanks, and we make our commitment to you that we will be in harmony with your word and in all that it teaches. That's our objective. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.